I'm here today with Stephen Charleston. Stephen is a leading voice of justice for indigenous peoples, the environment, and spiritual renewal in North America. A member of the Choctaw Nation, Stephen has appeared on ABC World News Tonight, BBC World News, The News Hour with Jim Lehrer, and other outlets. The author of more than a dozen books, he served as the Episcopal Bishop of Alaska, President and Dean of the Episcopal Divinity School, and Professor at Luther Seminary. Stephen lives with his wife, Susan, in Oklahoma and writes daily meditations on social media, which reach thousands of people. So, Stephen, it's really an honor to uh, be here with you today. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be with you, too. So, Stephen's got a new book that's just come out called Ladder to the Light, an Indigenous Elder's Meditations on Hope and Courage. And I want to talk about that in a little bit more detail. But before we get to that, Stephen, maybe you could just give us a little bit more, you know, depth in terms of your background. Sure, I'll uh, I'll be brief. It's uh, a story that begins really uh, here in my my home home community in Oklahoma. That's where I'm originally from. I'm a citizen of the Choctaw Nation. We're one of the five tribes that some people may have heard of us from the Trail of Tears. We were uh, living in the southern part of the United States in the 1830s when we were forcibly removed by Andrew Jackson. And that's where the Trail of Tears comes in because yes, we were yes. marched to Oklahoma, um, which interestingly enough, Oklahoma is in our Chata language uh, means uh, red people. Uh, so it was the land for all those who were being driven out. It was like a refugee center. And uh, a lot of people, native people um, from different parts of the Eastern seaboard were moved into Oklahoma. So I grew up here um, and was raised both with native tradition uh, and also with Christian theology. So I started at an early age being interested in spirituality and in religion and those two elements of my life, my culture as a native person and my uh, community or uh, in Christianity around me at the, in those years in Oklahoma. So that sort of was the place I've come from since then, as you said, when you introduced me, I've done lots of different things in the, the life of the Episcopal church, but the most important part of it was that all of the things I did gave me a chance to be in different native communities. So I, was fortunate enough to, because of the nature of my work, to learn from Native people all across North America and to visit their communities, meet the elders, talk to people, and learn from them. So I think that was one of the greatest benefits from my, my experience to date has been that connection to different Native people. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, having been able to, you know, serve in Alaska and all the different seminary positions and things like that, you know, and different parts of the country. That's just really had to have been amazing experiences. Yeah, it really was. And um, for me, and I, again, I, I think uh, I knew early on that my vocation was going to be in spirituality, in the church, in some form of religious life. So um, that's what accounts for all the different things I've done. I, I sort of got involved in the academic side of it for a while because I think I'm eternally curious and academics are curious people. You, you can't let it alone. You want to keep going, keep thinking, keep asking the next question. So uh, that's been an important part of my journey too. 
So before we get to the new book, can you tell us a little bit about the previous books that you've written? Yes, I'd be happy to. And again, it's a strange story. I'm sort of a reluctant um, uh, writer in this sense. And by that, I mean, uh, about 10 years ago or more, there were um, a group of uh, four people who wanted me to get on Facebook. And I was a curmudgeon who did not want to be on social media. I'm old school and I didn't I didn't think I, I had anything to contribute on social media. Um, and so I resisted. Finally, they got me into it. And I, I got into Facebook as my first social media encounter and didn't know what to, what to do after I'd signed up. And I was sitting there looking at a blank screen thinking, what do I, now what do I say? And that's where I made the connection to write down every day on my Facebook wall, just some little thought that came to me after my morning prayers, because being a faithful person, you, in the morning, you, you wake up with God and you're praying and then whatever would come into my mind, I would try and write down. And though at first only those four people read it, but little by little more people would come. And all my, all my writing was simply, if you will, it's almost the reply I received in my prayer. I would pray and then I would be quiet and just let my mind be still and, and open my heart receptively to God to see if I was, if there's some echo coming back to me, is there something for me to think about? And um, sure enough, uh, those little messages that began to appear seemed to speak to more and more and more people. So they wanted me after uh, oh, the first year of doing them every day except Saturday, because on Saturday we pray. Um, but they wanted collections of them. And so my first book was a collection of those meditations. Okay. And, and I first went to publishers and said, would you be interested? And nobody seemed interested. So I self-published that. Um, so I, the, some of those books you mentioned of the, the 10 or 12 books, it's been incredibly, all of those books come out of these little meditations or messages, and um, they've sold thousands of copies all around the world. It's been very gratifying on that front. The other books I've done, uh, The Four Vision Quests of Jesus, that book, The Four Vision Quests of Jesus, was um, uh, a theology an academic theology, one that I wrote as a Native American theologian about the Christian gospel based on Native tradition. And uh, that book has been in print now for quite a number of years and is still used in seminaries and uh, universities and by clergy and laity alike. Very cool. Um, well, how did this latest book come about? Because this one you published with Broadleaf Books. Right. That's right. Uh, the Four Vision Quest of Jesus is uh, published by um, uh, Morehouse. And my latest book is from um, Broadleaf. This latest book uh, really emerged, I think, in the, the cauldron of what we've been living through for the past um, several years. But certainly once the pandemic uh, took hold. And that, that 
enormous uh, struggle that everyone has been going through in trying to get through the pandemic and political crises and economic meltdown and global dislocations. It's been an, a terrible time uh, for so many, many people around the world. Like others, I, I wanted to do something. And my gift was just the visions and the, the messages that I, I get in prayer. So I turned to those to see if there's a way that they could help people and and I discovered that there was a theme, a pattern that was moving through uh, um, years worth of these, of these vi little visions and messages I've been working on every morning, that there was a theme there that could help people, that had some practical spiritual help for people. Um, it was a contribution I could make that would help uh, men and women of any faith tradition, because my books are not written for any particular audience other than to say anyone with a spiritual curiosity and interest. Um, when you read any one of my books, whether you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, uh, Baha'i, whatever, or none of the above, you can read my books and find yourself in them because the way that they're written, the language, uh, they're very accessible to people of all faith traditions. So a very central part of my work is an interfaith, interreligious community trying to build bridges of understanding among all people. So my book was an attempt to spiritually offer uh, a clear vision of how people could help themselves and help others in this great time of trouble we've been experiencing. Well, it's a really fascinating approach the way that you've organized this book um, around the Kiva and the ladder uh, to the light, as, as the title indicates. Could you explain for folks that don't know what a kiva is? Yep, be happy to. Um, in the opening of the book, uh, I, I began with the explanation of the kiva. Like all of my writing, the roots of my writing and my spirituality are embedded in the Native American tradition or experience. And, in, and from different nations, different places, uh, native culture is very diverse, and so there are many different traditions that you can turn to. But the one that I, I felt expressed um, our situation in this time and place was the kiva. The kiva is a worship uh, uh, site, uh, like a church. Like you walk into a church, you're in a sacred space. The kiva is like that in the sense it's a sacred space, but it's one that is under the ground. In other words, it's a round or rectangular uh, structure uh, underground with wooden beams across the top and it's covered. And the only way to get down into the, the kind of the, the womb-like uh, place of the Kiva is to come down a ladder. It's like entering a submarine where you always see the captain coming down the ladder to get into the submarine. A Kiva is like that. You go down the ladder and if you don't have a fire in the kiva, it's nothing but uh, kind of a cool darkness. And above you, you see the light. That, to me, is what captured me, that physical uh, image of the kiva that I had been in, in an experience and seen um, is a metaphor for where we are in our lives. We, we feel 
that we have been through a lot of dark times. The darkness seems to be all around us. The COVID-19 virus was a darkness gathering around us, enveloping us, and uh, financial breakdown and political breakdown and social breakdown. The darkness just kept growing. So we felt we're in a darkness. The, the important thing about Akiva is that the Kiva uh, is a darkness that is nurturing and that is uh, strengthening. In other words, we began our journey in life within the womb. Uh, we are enclosed and we're not sure what's next. Uh, but there is a spiritual path, that ladder that leads up out of the Kiva back into the light. That was the metaphor I used because each rung on that ladder is a different step we can take to move from darkness into light and, and into hope and uh, peace and healing. Well, I think it's a really cool metaphor, you know, and, and analogy. And uh, the book is organized into rungs of the ladder. So the rung of faith, the rung of blessing, the rung of hope, and it keeps going up the ladder. So That's right. I just thought that that was really a wonderful way to you know, organize the book and, and, and your, your visions and your path. I think the way that the book is structured is very simple. It just like you were just describing uh, it, each rung of the ladder is a different chapter. Uh, it moves from different parts of a spiritual life. In other words, to, to begin with faith. Where, what's the first rung uh, in, in your life to move forward in a spiritual way is you, you have to know what you believe in. You have to have faith in something. So it's very simple and it's very um, universal. Um, but each rung can be a place where the reader can stop and that each rung or each chapter gives you um, a lot to think about. And so you can spend time in each chapter. I have people tell me that when they read The Ladder to the Light, they will pause and really reflect on what uh, one chapter means before they, they pick it up and read it again for the next chapter. So it's um, a book, I think, that allows people a way to understand where they are in their spiritual lives and feel that there's another step forward that's going to to help them, and most importantly, help other people too. Well, it's, it's really a fascinating book, and I just have loved it. Um, let me read um, what Barbara Brown Taylor had to say about it. She says, this book touched me as few do. Stephen Charleston is a spiritual medic who has given himself to a life of healing, and you will want to share his medicine with everyone you know. <laughs> what a wonderful endorsement. Yes, wasn't that nice? I, it was really, really kind of of Barbara to say that, and I'm very grateful. Um, I, I, I think that uh, anyone, like I say, of any faith tradition, if they feel like they've been through a difficult time in their life and they want to um, really be proactive in a spiritual response uh, of hope and, and justice and goodness, then um, Ladder to the Light will help them do that. Uh, it's the way that it's constructed. I describe this if you're a movie fan. Some people love old movies and motion pictures. And if you do, if you're kind of a movie person, um, there are copies of movies that uh, come out 
that have the director's dialogue or narrative uh, on the movie itself. So you can watch one of your favorite movies, but you're hearing the director explaining the making of the movie. So now in this scene, we were shooting this, this is what was happening, what we were talking about. And it's a fascinating way to see both the final product, the movie, and the process behind the scenes. My book is sort of like that. In other words, it is my own behind the scenes way of talking about um, how a certain message that I receive, how it, it could be interpreted or what it could mean to us and what it's trying to tell us. And the it uh, is the, um, the way that the meditation or the little message first came to me. So you'll find these little messages, these spiritual visions written and then a commentary about them and then another vision and a commentary about that and another vision and a commentary about that. So it sort of flows from the visionary to the pragmatic and it has this wonderful balance. So if you like a practical theology or spirituality, uh, this would be the book for you. But if you like visionary mystical understandings of life, this could also be the book for you. Absolutely. And, and each one of these reflections is so thought provoking, uh, you know, which I'm sure was, you know, what you were striving for, but boy, it's, it's, it's some deep thought. And uh, here's just another uh, blurb from uh, Caitlin Curtis. Uh, Letter to the Light isn't a book to be read once and put aside, but one that should be read again and again, becoming part of our human journey. So I think that was a great way to uh, describe this as well. It's just that I think every time you read some of these, it's probably going to cause different thoughts, you know, for each of us to, to find. Oh, I think it will. Absolutely. Because the interesting thing is I've often said that while I have written uh, all the books I've written, I'm not necessarily the author. <laughs> there's a difference and you, and it's important to think about that because those little visions you read in, in um, my book um, came to me with as much surprise and mystery and power as they do for other people who read them. Uh, I encounter and engage these messages uh, as much as any other reader. I'm in the same place with any other reader because I believe the source of them is a healing and loving source that is what I sometimes describe as the kindness at the center of creation. It is this conscious presence that in my books I refer to as the spirit. Um, and people can use that language any way that it, for them, uh, meaning that whatever your higher power, whatever God is for you or, or uh, your spirituality takes you, it, it, is in, it is speaking to how the reality of that presence, that divine, sacred, and loving presence is real. And so I engage with it as much as uh, anyone who reads my books does. And am is healed by it, I, as I hope I'm helping to heal others. Well, as, as you've found from your <clears throat> you know, Facebook posts, uh, that's certainly the case. A lot of folks have been impacted by your work, and um, I, I think that just speaks volumes. Well, I, I'm never, I must tell you, I never take it for granted. I'm always grateful. That Facebook community, we went from four people to over 26,000 now. 
who gather to read the, the messages every day. They come out every day. Um, and um, except, like I say, on a Saturday when I invite us, whoever we are, to pray for each other. I think that's a wonderful thing to do without regard to what tradition you're from or what you believe. Just the idea that human beings can love one another. And what a message that is for our time. What a concept. Highly needed these days. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I'll include a link to, you know, your Facebook page uh, in, you know, the, along with the video uh, on our website. So, uh, um, Stephen, it's such a pleasure to, uh, to meet you, to speak with you, to learn from you. Uh, thank you very much for this book and for your posts, your visions, your reflections, and all the work that you've done. It's just uh, really helpful to, to so many. Well, thank you, too, and uh, for, for all that you do. I, I'm very honored to be a part of the, the work that you're doing, which is, is helping a lot of people, too. And I think it's by what you and I are experiencing right now, just how we can network together, connect together, share a message together. Um, the more that that network grows, the more people that respond to the, to the uh, work that you're doing, the stronger we'll be and the healthier. So thank you for what you do too. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. It's, it's a pleasure yeah. and an honor to, uh, to speak with you.